0: Hello, and welcome to the Spirit, Power, and Grace podcast. This is a podcast where we explore where the Holy Spirit is at work in the world today and why that matters in your life. My name is Andrew Thompson, and it's great to be with you today. We're just a few days away from the Christmas holiday, and so it's fitting that we would do a Christmas-themed podcast episode. This one is going to be a little bit different, so just think of it as a little Christmas treat, Just for you from Spirit Power and Grace. Today, we are going to be looking at the topic What role does the Holy Spirit play at Christmas? So let's jump in and get started. You know, when you think about where the Holy Spirit shows up in the Bible, and when people think about where it is that the Holy Spirit is really prominent in the biblical stories, I tend to think that people gravitate towards things that are happening at the end of the life of Jesus after his resurrection and even after his ascension, especially when you think about the Acts of the Apostles and what happens through the birth and the growth of the early church and the evangelism that the apostles were doing throughout the book of Acts. As a matter of fact, I'll give you a couple of examples of that. One of them that we often look to is the passage that happens in John's gospel, in John chapter 20, on the day of resurrection itself, on the day of Easter. And if you have your Bible with you, I'm going to be going through probably more scripture passages, specific passages, than we usually do in a typical podcast episode. So I will go ahead and cite chapter and verse. And if you've got your Bible in front of you and you want to follow along with me, you can do that. The two Bibles that I have in front of me right now are ESV and NIV translations, and I'll kind of switch back and forth between the two of them. So if what you're reading reads just a little bit different, then it's probably just because you've got a different translation. So if you're in your Bible right now and you turn to John chapter 20, what you see is that starting in verse 19, it says, on the evening of that day, the very first day of the week, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. Now, that passage right there from John 20, starting with verse 19 and going down to verse 23, is often called the Little Pentecost. And it is, in fact, a Pentecostal image. Now, it's not what we typically think of when we think of the Pentecost, which happens in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost itself. But it is a Pentecostal image in the sense that When Jesus breathes out the Holy Spirit upon the disciples, he is imparting to them the person and the power of the Holy Spirit. There's another scene at the end of another gospel. In fact, in the gospel of Matthew, where you have another kind of ascending. Now it's a little bit different. It, it is. The image is very different, but it's also a scene of sending, and it's also a scene where Jesus invokes the Holy Spirit in a kind of an impartation to the disciples. And of course, what I'm thinking about here is in the Gospel of Matthew in Matthew chapter 28. This is just like John 20. It's not quite the end of John's gospel, but it's near the end of John's gospel. In Matthew 28, we are at the end of Matthew's gospel. And in this case, we are at the very end. So if you turn over to Matthew and you look at Matthew 28, the last couple of verses of the gospel, verses 19 and 20, what you have there is what is typically called the Great Commission. And it's called that because it is the commission that Jesus gives, the authorization and the command that Jesus gives for the the disciples to go out into the world and to make new disciples of him. And the words there, some of you can probably repeat these by memory, uh, they go like this. Jesus says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you always even to the very end of the age. So there, near the end of John's gospel and at the very end of Matthew's gospel, you have these two citations by Jesus of the Holy Spirit. They're kind of an impartation of the Spirit by Jesus to the disciples to go and to continue the work that Jesus had done on the earth and that he's now expecting his followers to do on the earth. That follows up, once we move out of the gospels, And we move into the book of Acts that follows up with the event of the Pentecost itself. And here we have Jesus not only having been resurrected, but having also ascended into heaven. And I'm going to go through both of those, both uh, what he says just uh, after his resurrection and just prior to his ascension. And then what happens uh, by his authorization and power. After the ascension, uh, what Jesus says in Acts chapter one is this, they they all come together and, and the disciples ask him, they say, Lord, this is from Acts one uh, with first, uh, starting with verse six, they say, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And Jesus said to them, it is not for you to know the times or seasons that the father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power When the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the very ends of the earth. Then Jesus ascends into heaven and the rest of the chapter goes on. The disciples withdraw. They don't do a whole lot except to cast lots to find someone to replace Judas Iscariot, uh, the the lot falls on Matthias and he rounds out uh, the the new 12th apostle, uh, disciple or apostle. And then in Acts chapter two, it begins by saying when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all in one place. And suddenly There came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting and divided tongues as of fire appeared on them and rested on each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now that's Acts 2 verses 1 through 4. So all of that is just to say that when we think about where the Holy Spirit really shows up, we tend to think about it as a kind of a bridge between Jesus and the work that Jesus did and the work that the spirit or sorry, the work that the church is going to do in Jesus's name after his ascension into heaven. The spirit comes from Jesus. The father sends the spirit in Jesus's name. So the spirit comes from Jesus into the very bodies and lives of the followers of Jesus and ultimately into the work of the church itself to fuel the witness and evangelism and, and, and healing and mission of the church thereafter. Now, there's nothing wrong with that because clearly it's right there in Matthew, in John, in the book of Acts, it's right there. But when we limit the work of the Holy Spirit, to only a bridge that happens between Jesus and the church, or then the continuing direction and fuel for the church. When we limit our focus on the Holy Spirit to those aspects of the scripture, I think we miss something. And that's why I wanted to talk about that topic on an episode right here, uh, just before the Holy Day of Christmas, the birthday of Jesus itself. Because in point of fact, If you go back to the beginning of the Gospels, and here we're going to go back most especially to the beginning of Luke's Gospel, that what we're going to discover is that the Holy Spirit was there all along. It's not just that Jesus allows the disciples to carry out a spirit-filled ministry. It's that Jesus himself is going to be carrying out a spirit-filled ministry. And all of those figures who are around Jesus at the beginning of his life, at his nativity, at his birth, at Christmas itself, all of those figures are going to be figures who are filled with the Holy Spirit also. So let's look at that, shall we? Again, if you've got your Bible with you, turn over to Luke chapter one, to the very beginning of Luke's gospel. And here it is significant that we're going to be looking in Luke. Part of that is because the nativity story only shows up in two gospels. It shows up in Matthew which has a focus that's more on Joseph and his experience. And then it focuses, or sorry, the, the birth of Jesus also shows up in Luke. And in Luke's telling of it, that's a, a version of the nativity that focuses more on Mary and on Mary's Outlook and her experience. We're going to stay in Luke. The Holy Spirit is also mentioned in Matthew, but I specifically want us to look at Luke because no gospel writer has more of an emphasis on the Holy Spirit. No gospel writer has more of an emphasis on the witness of the Spirit than does Luke. And so we're going to be looking in Luke. And I, I want to start in Luke chapter one. And all I want to point out here is that when it comes to the Nativity story. Luke is going to share with us how much the Holy Spirit was a part of that from the very beginning. As a matter of fact, at some very specific key points in Luke chapter one, what we're going to discover is that the Holy Spirit is going to be present in figures that are around Jesus and are going to play an important role in Jesus's birth And in his early life. This starts in verse 15, the story that begins Luke's gospel, which is the story of the priest Zechariah and his wife Elizabeth. Elizabeth is a cousin to the Virgin Mary, and that means that their child ultimately, who's going to be John the Baptist, is going to be a cousin to Jesus. And what we find in the telling of the coming birth of John, that the Holy Spirit is present. All the way through, starting with verse 15, the angel comes to Zechariah and tells Zechariah not to be afraid because the prayers of him and his wife, Elizabeth, to have a child, even in their old age, have been heard. And what the angel says is this, you and your wife, Elizabeth, or sorry, your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness and many will rejoice at his birth for he will be great before the Lord and he must not drink wine or strong drink. And he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. So there we have in Luke's gospel, the first citation of someone being filled with the Holy Spirit. He he hasn't been filled with the Holy Spirit yet, but Because he hasn't been conceived yet, but he's going to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And that is an indication that he is going to be a great prophet. And that is, in fact, of course, uh, what what John the Baptist will be. So that's the first place that we see it. Then if you go down to verse 35, what you have is another angelic encounter. This time it's not the angel coming to Zechariah, but instead it's the angel coming to Mary. And Gabriel comes to Mary and again tells her not to be afraid. And if you go down, down into uh, verse 34, Mary asks the angel, how is it going to be that I'm going to have a son since I am a virgin? And the angel answers her, the Holy spirit will come upon you and the power of the most high will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called holy, the son of God. So that is the second citation of the work of the Holy Spirit. The first one is the angel telling Zechariah that his son, John will be filled with the Holy Spirit. And the second one is the angel telling Mary that she will have the Holy Spirit come upon her and she will conceive the child in her womb in that way. Now you go down just a little bit further and Mary does, in fact, conceive. Uh, She leaves her home. We can only imagine what the circumstances must have been like. Uh, It must have been very traumatic for Mary. Uh, She probably told a story that People didn't particularly believe we know if we turn over to Matthew's gospel that until the angel came to Joseph uh, to tell him not to, that he was going to divorce Mary, which would have subjected her to public shame. And so what she does is she leaves town and she goes out into the hill country where Zechariah and Elizabeth live and she takes refuge in their home. And if you turn down to a little bit later now in, uh, Luke chapter one, it says she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And then verse 41. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby, that's John, of course, the baby leapt in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, blessed are you amongst women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me for behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. So there you have the third citation of the Holy Spirit, which is with Elizabeth. Elizabeth and her child, John, both being filled with the Holy Spirit as Mary comes in. I, I said in a message to uh, w- my church one time, if you want to know the first place in the Bible where Jesus has a material impact on another person, it's right there in that moment. It's when Mary walks in and Jesus, who is still a babe in the womb, he hasn't even been born yet. He, he has an impact, his very presence in the room on both Elizabeth and on John, because John leaps in Elizabeth's womb. That's the very first sign that we have. Of Jesus having an impact on another person or on another person's life. Finally, there's one more place in Luke chapter 1 where we see the Holy Spirit cited in this type of way, and it comes in verse 67. Once again, we're with the family of Zechariah and Elizabeth and John. Zechariah, because he didn't believe the angel at first, and when the angel came to tell him he was going to have a child, had been struck dumb. He hadn't been able to speak during the entirety of uh, Elizabeth's pregnancy. But then... John is born and he writes on a tablet that we will call his name John. And immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue was loosed. And then Zechariah, the priest turns into a prophet because it says in verse 67, John's father, Zechariah was filled with the Holy spirit and prophesied saying, blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant, David. This is the song, of course, the song of Zechariah. So there we have in Luke one, not at the end of Luke, not at the end of Matthew or at the beginning of the Acts of the Apostles at the end of the gospel of John, but we have at the very, very beginning of the gospel of Luke, four different citations of the Holy Spirit filling people or coming upon people. And these are, Zechariah and Elizabeth and John the Baptist and the Virgin Mary, people that are important in Jesus's life. So this is, this is a sign that the Holy Spirit is going to be covering Jesus from the very beginning and that everything about his life and everything about his ministry is going to be anointed and carried along and directed and filled by the Holy Spirit. This is actually one of the great features of Luke the Evangelist, both in the Gospel of Luke and in the companion book that, that he wrote, The Acts of the Apostles. There is more of an accent and an emphasis on the Holy Spirit in those two books than any other books in the New Testament. And what I would suggest to us is that as we think about Christmas, that we think about Christmas as a holy day in our lives that is anointed by the Holy Spirit. And that when we read the story in Luke chapters one and two, that we read it with an eye to the work that the Holy Spirit was doing. To me, this gives me great assurance. It gives me an assurance that the Holy Spirit who is present in the world today, the Holy Spirit who is present in the church, uh, the Holy Spirit who is present in our life that we have access to. Uh, by the grace of Jesus is a spirit who is present right there at Christmas, right there at the very beginning of Jesus's life. This matters to us. And it matters to us because it gives us continuity. I was talking with somebody the other day about how powerful it is uh, to receive the sacrament of Holy Communion. And we were talking about that, that act when you Get up out of the chair, you get up out of the pew and you come down to the altar rail and the pastor or uh, the whoever it is, the lay person who is serving communion offers you the bread and says, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And this is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Drink it in remembrance of me. That whenever we do that, whenever we receive that gift through the sacrament, What we're doing is something that Christians have literally been doing every year since it was inaugurated or instituted by Jesus himself. So for 2000 years, Christians have been receiving bread and wine in the name of Jesus and in remembrance of him, proclaiming his victorious death until he comes again in glory. It gives us continuity with Jesus and with the work of the church throughout all the past 2000 years. You know, the same thing is true about Christmas. When we think about the Holy Spirit that we have in our lives, we look at the story of the nativity of Jesus and how he came into the world. Jesus, his birth, the circumstances around it, and the people in that story, all of them were anointed by the Spirit, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. All of this was by God's appointment and by God's design. And so the same Holy Spirit that we have today is the Holy Spirit who is present in that story then. You know, I'm going to turn over real quickly before we close to a couple of passages in the letter to the Romans. One of them is from Romans 14, 17 where Paul tells us that the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and receives the approval of man. That's a passage that was very important to John Wesley. The the idea that the kingdom is a matter of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. That is so true. The kingdom that we're working for is a kingdom where we can be filled with the Holy Spirit and know his righteousness and know his joy and know his peace. And then the other passage is over in Romans chapter five, Romans chapter five, verse five, where Paul tells us and assures us of God's love that has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Just think about that. Think about the fact that the Holy Spirit who was given to Zechariah, the Holy Spirit who was given to Mary, the Holy Spirit who was given to Elizabeth and the Holy Spirit who was given to John the Baptist, that the Holy Spirit that came and descended upon Jesus in bodily form, like a dove at his baptism, That the Holy Spirit who filled Jesus and drove him out into the wilderness to be tested and refined through the temptations that he endured at the hands of the evil one, at the hands of the enemy. And that the same Holy Spirit that Jesus invoked when he came back in Luke chapter 4 to begin his public ministry, he stood up in the synagogue, he unrolled the scroll of Isaiah, he preached from Isaiah chapter 61, verses 1 and 2. And he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. That that same Holy Spirit is the same Holy Spirit who has been given to us. And Paul tells us that in Romans 5. He says, God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. The same spirit who is there at Christmas, the same spirit who's there in the nativity of Jesus is the spirit that God gives us now. And friends, that makes such a huge difference in our lives. It can give us strength. It can give us courage. It can give us hope to know that God is with us and that God will be with us forever. Well, that's just about all the time that we have today on Spirit, Power, and Grace. I hope you enjoyed that message about the work of the Holy Spirit at Christmas. For indeed, the Holy Spirit was at work then, as the Holy Spirit is at work today. I want to say thanks to everyone who's been spreading the word about The Spirit, Power, and Grace podcast has been helping us to reach more people with each episode. So please be sure to like, to share, and to subscribe to help us continue to grow our listener base. We'll see you next time. God bless. And Merry Christmas.